<laughs> yes. yes. But like, the comparison like with me and some so that'd be something neat to see, you know, the Harry Sanders at the Pirates playing in, in Williamsport wasn't a sh- Welcome to the Now Sports Podcast, episode 44, the home of sports talk for everyone. I'm David. I'm Jason. Welcome aboard. Now, Jason, this is going to be a fun one for you. Our first period is going to be a fun one. No, well, I think you we got- have some other, we got a few things we got to talk about here quick. Uh, as we're true. recording, uh, first off, congrats to. Matt from the A Show, his Mets beat my beloved Philadelphia Phillies uh, with a combined no hitter. It was their first, I believe you since their first no hitter in t- combined no hitter in team history. Yes, from what uh, what uh, I was listening to. Yes, no. Tom McCarthy for the Phils said it was a com- their first combined no hitter. Well, congrats to to Matt from the A Show and the and his beloved amazing Mets. Um, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then. Um, <laughs> we we've gone over my my respect of Mets fans, so I'm sure just a little a little joking around is not going to hurt anything. Um, well, they're just as bad as Philly fans at times. I, I don't look at it as bad. I, I think they've suffered through a lot of really bad seasons, like Phillies fans. Well, have. like just as bad. It's it's. You earn your stripes as a fan in that and for that team, just like you do as a Phillies fan. Um, and as a, as we're recording, um, the NFL draft is on its second day. Um, locally for us here in Pennsylvania, the big news is the the Eagles made a heck of a trade with the Titans to get AJ Brown. Um, that's going to boost their team for next season, hopefully. And the Philadelphia curse does not hit him like it's hitting Kyle Schwarber right now for the fills. Um, I think he went into tonight's game with a, a 0.164 batting average. So that's, you know, what we're paying big bucks for right now. Um, but yeah, let's get on to the first period. Well, that, well, just to go back to, to the Philadelphia curse here. That's just any, any sport on that one. You go to Philly to end your career. You're not making this much... any better. Huh? You're not making this any better. I know, but it's just how it is, though, because a lot of the big names coming out of Philly, whether it be Eagles, 76ers, Flyers, Phillies, it seems like the big names want to come to play for Philly, but it's like they hit the injury bug. So what's and, interesting yeah. with, with the whole A.J. Brown trade is um, he wasn't expecting to leave. He wanted to stay in Tennessee, and Tennessee wanted to unload him. But I'm reading that this is – Eagles fans are considering this the equivalent to when the Phillies got Roy Halladay. Okay. That is a lofty aspiration. Yes, because Roy Halladay was a huge pickup for Philly. Even though they did not win a World Series with him, um, Doc so went had- down to he he finished his career there. He's gone down to be a legend with the Phils, beloved pitcher, beloved personality. Um, oh, I mean, hell of a pitcher. I mean, how many perfect games has he thrown? I you don't know, know so- off the top of my head, but that 2010 year was absolutely spectacular for him. Um, I did have that perfect game. On my PS3, so. 
Why did he throw? Now it's bugging me. Uh, uh, trying to now it's bugging me on how many he's actually had. Now it's bugging he pitched me. a perfect game on May 29th, 2010. That was against the Florida Marlins, as they were known then. And then he pitched a postseason no hitter on October 6, 2010. And he went in in 2019 with 85.4% of the votes as a first ballot Hall of Famer, which makes a lot of sense. Yep, that definitely does make a lot of sense on that one because, well, <laughs> what he is. I mean, he's a hell of a, he was a hell of a pitcher. That he was. That, that, that he was. Um, doesn't his son still play for Penn State? You know, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I know, I know he, he was playing for Penn State. Um, I thought he was. I thought he still was, I saw. And I, I, think, wrong. I think he went to Penn State specifically to more so for an education than the baseball experience, which says a lot about him as an individual. He wanted to get a good education. Yeah. And see here in 2019, he was drafted by MLB as a tribute to holiday. He was draft selected by the blue Jays in the 32nd round. Yeah. I don't know where he's at now. I'm not, I'm just seeing. Everything up until transfer from Penn State to hold on here. Wait, we're really starting off on a roll. Um, he decided to leave the Nittany Lions to play for Tallahassee Community College. Um, so he's closer to his, his where he grew up in Odessa, Florida. So that makes sense. Good for him. But let's let's move on and let's start the first period since we're we're already oh, a few minutes in. Hey, it's baseball talk. Might as well keep going with it. So, as a lot of people know, this past what week, two weeks now, a lot of bad bad pitching calls. Some right down the middle called balls. Some way off the plate called strikes. So this is going to be the Angel Hernandez segment of the show. Um, this could be, yeah, pretty much. Because <laughs> um, we all know how, how a great umpire he is. So one of the interesting figures about Angel Hernandez as an umpire is that the league average in, in performance is a 94% performance rate from an umpire. So you would consider that an A grade. Angel Hernandez is an 83% average umpire i thought it'd be a lot lower well for the phillies game on sunday night he was at a 77 (sighs) percent again a lot lower he's such a bad umpire that mlb has told the umpires union that angel will never be involved in a world series game good Good. I mean, he's just as bad as Joe West. Well, um, it kind of had that look there, like, uh, 
you know, but I mean, here's, here's, uh, yep. Yeah, let's just, yeah. What? No, Joe West is pretty awful too. I was thinking of Jim Joyce because Jim Joyce is the one who, who ruined, uh, Armando Galarraga's near perfect game, but he, he apologized for his mistake that cost that near yeah, perfect he, game. He, he yeah, owned he, his mistake and that says a lot about him. Made a mistake. He apologized and, you know, he's, yeah, because that was a, that was a big blown call for that moment. Weston Hernandez just, Flat out they sucks. don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Get their um, paychecks and move on. So, what would you think if next year MLB decides we're going with the automatic, or I'm sorry, automated strike zone? I mean, if it's going to. The whole idea of, of it moving to or even being implemented is to make the game quicker. Um, I just I, there's there's still accurate. a role. There's still a role for an umpire in, in baseball. There is. I think the automated um, strike zone is going to help with controversial calls. It's going to prevent an Angel Hernandez from taking a game away from, in the case of the Brewers and the Phils, both teams. Oh, yeah, that was a that was both teams getting screwed by him because the Brewers won in spite of him. Let's be honest. It, it had nothing to do with, with the fills and it had nothing to do with, um, with, with the Brewers performance. It was the angel Hernandez show and it was on national television. That part, I think really kind of, I, I guess for me, that sh- that was a topic that I think that we, you know, as, as we are now bringing up for after watching that game. Because when you see a pitch outside the strike zone, as they said, the, the, the biggest difference between strike zone and off the plate was six and a half inches from what I was reading and also listening to. That's what she when, said anyway. Right? <laughs> but when, Sorry. Yeah, I figured it would. Yeah, you know, set, set you up for it. But when you watch the game and you see strikes being called that are nearly impossible to hit because they're either that inside or that away from the plate. And then you got balls being called in the strike zone. To me, it, and the sad part is not just Angel Hernandez because I was watching videos this whole week of the same thing. Balls being called basically, you know, well below the strike zone or well outside from other umps. There's a great John Boy breakdown of this whole situation. Um, So you brought up the, the, the robot umpire. Well, once you know who won the pony, Joe West has opinions on the automated umpires in strike zone. (laughs) And I quote. Oh, no. The problem with robotic umpires is it's not as accurate as they're making it out to be. They grade these major league umpires on every pitch they call. They grade them with a triangulation of scopes so they can tell if the ball's over the plate, low, high, what have you. Each umpire is graded given a score at the end of the game. We don't have an umpire and haven't for the last four years who scored less than 95%. 
robotic umpires they're using, they've proven it misses 7% of pitches. When the uh, robotic umpire misses a pitch, it doesn't call anything. And when the umpire calls a pitch, he still calls something. So believe me, if they thought they could put a machine back there, they'd call all the pitches. They would have done it by now. Coming from somebody who missed how many calls right in front of them? Ah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not just behind the plate, but at the bases. You know, how many calls did he miss that even at the bases? Let's, you know, let's take away the strike zone part here and just go with him at the bases. How many, how much did he miss? I remember the one game, watch, I forget who it was, who it was. I think it was with the Yankees. Angel Hernandez got what four or five calls reversed because the teams reviewed it. So he's complaining about, he's complaining about the automated strike zone missing 7% of pitches. Yet Angel Hernandez performance on Sunday missed 23% of pitches. Mm, I'd rather go with the 7%. I'd rather go with the 7% too. And if worst case scenario, you need to replay a pitch. So be it. I'd rather take, I'd rather take the controversial calls on strikes and balls out of the equation because like a Hernandez, like a West, they can take the game out of a team's hand due to willful, willful, Oh Jesus, willful incompetence or just straight up ignorance. Yeah. I mean, well, like you said, if they could, if they would say, okay, well, like, like in the articles here, if, if the robot misses a pitch, nothing's called. Okay, well, I'll just redo the pitch. I know, I know they're going to say, well, if they have to re- keep redoing the pitches, the pitching count's going to go higher. Right. And that could, you're, you're and, and that could the, wear the arm of the, the pitcher exactly. and so forth. So at that point, that's a double-edged sword because, yes, you want to see the controversial take taken out of the game from the pitch, but that's also going to wear on the pitcher. Right. Because, in well, let's say one batter. It could be a battle, be, you know, be between the pitcher and you know, and the batter constantly and foul balls and all that, you know, just kind of get that part. But how many calls may be missed that the pitcher has to throw more? That's an advantage towards the batter. And here's how I look at it: I think, I think the the automated strike zone is more or less a safety net. It's going to be used in conjunction with a home plate umpire to prevent controversial balls and strikes. From what I was reading, from what I was reading, they said that it's going to be all like radio down to you. Right. I guess as soon as a call hits, it's going to be it's going to be relayed down to uh, the, the, the ump. But the question is, how fast is it going to get there? Because we're so used to seeing a pitch. And then the call, whether it be strike ball or what have you. As someone who, I mean, I went to a Barnstormers game last year and it seemed to be very quick. It didn't seem like it took any longer than a normal call. Um, you know, my biggest thing is, is it, there's still going to be a need for a home plate umpire. The automated strike zone isn't going to be able to call someone safer out on a cl- close play at home. Oh, yeah. 
oh yeah, you're you know you're not going to have you know the Terminator behind the home plate there, you know calling you know you're out, you're safe. I'll be back. <laughs> Get to the dugout. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> and he's gone. We just lost uh, Jason here. No, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, like I said, it's a double-edged sword on 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 this whole thing because like I, I you don't just think said, it's a double-edged sword. I think it's it's a great idea. Um, well, well, I say it's a double-edged sword because you have if they go with if nothing's called, let's say they redo the pitch. Okay, great. Like you just said, take out the controversial part. But like we just said, take you know the pitcher is you know is is worked more gets you know more worn more worn down and here's the thing if it misses seven percent of the pitches there's still a home plate umpire the home plate umpire still has to pay attention that's the thing though if let's say it's a ball he calls it a strike because if the if the automated pitcher or i'm sorry the, the automated ump misses that call as a ball then he calls it a strike, right? There's a controversial of it. Well, no, the the idea is that those seven percent that it misses, it's not registering the pitch. That's what was being said. So it's it's actually missing seven percent of the pitches. It just doesn't recognize it. Now that I just popped in my head is how like what's like is it being missed as the strike zone? It's outside the strike zone being missed. Or is it so far out of the strike zone that's being missed that it's not recording, like, let's say, a pass ball? I'm thinking it's more like um, the catcher's glove could be in the way. um, There could be obstruction because the, the batter stopped short on his swing to prevent going full, going through fully to get a strike swing. Yeah. I think it's more those kind of situations where there would be an issue. And that's why you still have a human umpire behind home plate, because if it does miss, you still have someone there who can make a, a, a call. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and all this really comes down to is to prevent Angel Hernandez from screwing games. I mean, that's. Or winning games for the other team. And I mean, we got to talk about it. Kyle Schwarber getting ejected from that game was a thing of beauty. Well, the thing is, though, he actually made good points for both sides. For both here, teams. here, here, here. Yeah, he's both just, sides. <laughs> I mean, he was animated. That's for sure. He was. But he that's went what you off. want. That's what you want from someone getting tossed. Well, yeah, you I want mean, it he, to be a spectacle. And the thing is, I mean, he was just waving his arms like crazy. But thing is, though, he was right. And it just got to a point where he just got that upset about it, which is who blames him for it? Because it was happening to both sides. It wasn't like it was happening to one side yeah, or the and other. It's one of the few ejections both. where the person getting ejected was doing it on behalf of both teams. It yeah, wasn't. You don't see that. <laughs> Not just him, but it was both sides. God bless God bless John Boy for doing the, the lip reading to figure out what, what these players are saying when there's a, a situation. Oh, uh, that is comical. It's just bad, good. Angel. 
you got to do better. It's just bad. <laughs> Joe Girardi saying that. To him. The thing is, though, I mean, it is bad. He should not be calling professional baseball games at this point. No, if he when you're ten been... percent below the league average, I don't care if it would be considered a B grade. You're ten percent below the league average. Get out. You're not even allowed to be near the World Series. You're that bad. Get out. That's pretty bad. I mean, he's probably not even able to be in a playoff game at that point. That I just know World Series. I don't know about playoffs, and I haven't looked that far into it because him not being able to call the World Series also affects the crew that he... Because they don't switch out the umps for different crews. So his him and the other three umpires, that's a crew. So those other three guys can't call a World Series because of Angel. And that's not fair to them because that's they not could be fantastic umps. You know, they could be fantastic umps, and you got him. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I think after this, because like I said, we've been seeing it a lot. Who knows if maybe next year we'll see it up in maybe spring training to start with. That would be cool. I think, you know, going to spring training kind of dips the toes into it. I mean, not have it for the actual games quite yet, but have spring training to maybe work out the bugs to see how it will affect in major league. Now, like we said, they are testing it in the minors right now. But maybe doing spring training first, seeing how it plays out, and then maybe the following year push it, or maybe have some games throughout the season. Just to kind of, or maybe right. the All Star game. Maybe put it in at the All Star game. I think that's that really too big does. of a. Uh, nobody watches it, anyways. I watch it. Okay. I watch it religiously every year. Put it on. Put it on a Reds game. They're the worst team in baseball. No one's watching them. There you go. Uh, but, but the the, the All Star game for baseball, I used to be able to watch it, but now it's like I just can't <laughs> for some reason. It is not a visually aesthetically pleasing game because everyone's wearing their jerseys, like their team jerseys, and it's it's off putting visually. They should just. They have those batting practice jerseys that they sell for each team, for each league, the American and national. Have them wear those. Then I could don't, probably get into it more. Don't, just because don't it's muddy like, the waters here. Then I could probably watch it just because that's what a lot of all-star games go to. Where it's either ALNL, East-West, AFC-NFC. They have jerseys for just for those things. For the record. As of the time we're recording, which is at 11.05 on April 29th, the Reds are so bad, they are 3-16. and 16. Ooh. Okay, yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty bad. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah, I didn't think the... I take it they're the last place right now? Well, there's no one worse than them in Ola baseball. Okay. I didn't know if that was for. There's a few teams that are like six and something, but no one is as bad as them right now. Yeah. Three and 16. That is pretty bad. Cause the next one is six and 13, six and 12 and Baltimore six and 14. 
Hey, I have some O's on my fantasy team and they are delivering for me. So at least for you and not their team. There are some bright spots. Um, but anywho, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past MLB to put the automated strike zone in spring training. I, I think that's a good way to, to like I said, dip the toes in the pool and go from there. Um, yeah, and I think it's see. a good idea they're doing it because there's been too many issues already this season and in, and in previous seasons. Yes, uh, especially this past week with uh, our most they favorite don't. ump. <laughs> I should say your most favorite ump. Oh, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. I mean, everyone knows he's awful. Every fan in baseball knows he's awful and dreads having him call the game. So. Yeah, everybody has their favorite umps and refs and all that. That as soon as they hear the name, they're just like, oh, crap. <laughs> uh, so well, on that note, that'd be the end of first period. We'll be right back after a short break. For listeners of the Non-Learner Sports Podcast, if you visit fansidea.com and use the code NASPOD at checkout, that is N-A-S-P-O-D at checkout, you will get 10% off your order. Fansidea.com is the place to go for custom-made jerseys, hoodies, shirts, and other gear. It's the perfect product, perfectly stitched, perfect sublimation, and perfect embroidery. 100% handmade and delivered on time. That's certainty, and it's their promise to you. Again, use the code NASPOD, N-A-S-P-O-D, at checkout for 10% off your order. And I'm not just talking about this because they're a sponsor for the show. I was a customer first. I bought this NASPOD sublimated jersey, if you will, uh, before I even reached out to them to be uh, a sponsor on the show because I like the product so much. David, up above me here on the or beside me, depending on how you view your YouTube, he is a he's got a really nicely stitched uh, Flyers inspired NASPOD hockey jersey. Um, they do great work and we support them. They support us and we want you to enjoy their product as well. Again, NASPOD at checkout at fansidea.com. Baseball fans, check out the Baseball Together podcast. Your hosts, Blackjack Brad and Kansas City Little Big Brigie Blue Eyes, present new episodes for the entire baseball family every Tuesday, available on all your favorite podcast apps and YouTube. Come join our baseball family, where we do baseball together. If you're looking for a podcasting channel with lots of shows in one spot, look no further than CKCC Radio. I'm Chris O'Mealy, the commissioner of CKCC Radio, and I'd like to tell you about some of the great shows you can listen to when you subscribe to our channel. You can check out The Nerd Table with myself and my co-hosts Eric and Dan as we review all kinds of nerdy topics on a weekly basis. You can also check out two shows by Jeff Trelowitz, the Ranking Tracks podcast and the Real Paranormal Talk podcast, where Jeff ranks songs on the album that he reviews and also talks about his real-life paranormal investigations while talking about famous stories as well. You can check out the Race Nerd podcast with Matt Hardman as he reviews all of the racing events of the past week. Check out Jay Bunny's Music Hub, where Jason Chin interviews various artists throughout the music industry and plays samples of their songs with their permission. Check out the A Show and Buy the Numbers, 
Matt Derline, professional wrestling referee, hosts By the Numbers as he interviews wrestlers in matches that he himself has personally been the referee for. And on The A Show, him and Chris Decker team up to draft rosters with special guests from various years in wrestling promotions. There's also the Bored to Death binge cast where the Bored to Death clan reviews easy-to-digestible chunks of television shows and movies for your enjoyment. There's also tons of other great shows, but there's too many to talk about here. So you'll just have to check out CKCC Radio at ckccradio.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to the second period. The NBA playoffs are kicking off or have kicked off. And uh, I don't think the uh, first round's quite over yet. I think there's one series remaining. Uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. I just literally had it. Memphis and Minnesota is not determined yet. That's it. I knew it was, I knew it was cl- uh, close to the end of the, of the first round. Because, uh, well, we're in Pennsylvania, so the Sixers moved on with a 4-1. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't talk right now. You're right. <laughs> That's debatable. That's debatable on that. And actually, I might be able to get you some updated information because I think actually that game is still is going on right now. Um, so Which one? Memphis and um, so it's at it's in the fourth quarter. Um, the Timberwolves are winning ninety four to eighty nine. Okay. And Memphis leads the series three to two. So if the Timberwolves win. Uh, and they can maintain this lead in seven minutes. The series will be tied 3 3 and will go to a game on the 1st of May. Good old game seven. Gotta love those. Who doesn't love a game seven? But the Phillies did, uh, yeah, Phillies, the Sixers did win their uh, their series against the Raptors 4 to 2, uh, 4 to 2. So it's amazing what you can do when you have guys who play as a team, right. Boy, that's foreshadowing. <laughs> what do you mean, Jason? <clears throat> what do you mean of like going into with what our slash topic is for this one? Sure. Sure. Uh, with um, uh, with uh, Ben Simmons. <laughs> so, I mean, I can tell you, I mean, because I was following Twitter when this this happened, because I think James Harden is the de facto NBA player for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's the guy we like. Um and he was com- he was that, coming to Philly. And the well, um, and the fact that Philly loved him too. And the fact that Philly disliked Ben Simmons for a variety of reasons and Nets fans were very excited to welcome him into their camp and now they get it, and Philly fans don't look so bad right now. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that uh, what's funny is he got traded, and then now that trade has just kind of seemed like it. Where's it going? It's it's blown up in the Nets' face, and the Nets gave up Harden for him. Imagine and where the Nets would be right now if they had Harden. <laughs> Just probably they where they would be out right now. <laughs> exactly, probably where the Sixers are looking um, at uh, looking at the Heat right now. I, I thought the always controversial Stephen A. Smith had a really 
he had a really good quote on this. He said, I feel bad for anyone who was his teammate. He quit on LSU. He quit on the Sixers. Now he ain't showing up for the Brooklyn Nets. We can point to all the excuses, all the rationale behind it we want to. I do recall, despite him not playing, he still filed a grievance to collect $20 million that he has not yet earned. And the problem is, he. this is a pattern in his career. He didn't show up for LSU. He didn't show up for the Sixers. He committed to playing in the Olympics for his home country, Australia. He didn't show up for that. Now he didn't show up for the Nets. You can say all you want. And look, we're, we have talked about mental health struggles on this show a lot when it comes to sports. It's not a topic we shy away from. And we're pretty, I think we're pretty, what's the word I want to use? Em- empathetic for it. We, we, we get it. We understand. understand. Right. We don't, we don't vilify someone who has mental health struggles like an Antonio Brown. We talked about him and his mental health struggles off the field. There's a part of me that feels like Ben Simmons uses his mental health struggles or whatever they may be as an excuse to not get paid or not to not play, but still try and get paid. Almost as like a pity me thing. I don't know if it's a pity me thing. I think it's just he he either can't handle the pressure or he's just that selfish. Well, the one article uh, that says in the hood, we call this a punk move. This is coming from Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's in one of the articles that uh, we have posted on our document there. Uh, so it's like, okay, yeah, this is uh, when you got other big, big basketball personalities, like not just size wise of Shaquille O'Neal, but how much how much in depth he is with basketball, even coming out and saying this. Him and Barkley, it's rare for him and Barkley to agree on anything, and they both agreed on Ben Simmons. So you know it's bad. <laughs> no, that's bad. You know that's bad. Um, but I just, it's just one of those things to where it's hard to it. You you, you see a talented player or a supposedly talented player because he did go, uh. First round, first overall. He has he has the talent to be a great basketball player. Brilliant, but lazy. I, I think it's it's I don't think it's laziness. I think he has a lack of heart. Laziness. Because I mean ha- if he's not showing up, I mean how much heart, you know, how much do you how much effort do you want to do if you don't if you're I, not showing up? I mean I've I, I, I hesitate to say laziness and heart and not having heart are the same thing because comparison wise, look at Rodman. Rodman didn't show up to a few practices, hung out and partied in the middle of the freaking in the freaking NBA finals back in 97. But you wouldn't say he didn't have heart as a player. He was one of the most aggressive rebounders in the game. He just he had to go be Rodman every now and then. I wouldn't look at him and say he didn't have heart, even though he could be a selfish person off the court and sometimes didn't put his team first. Um, To me, Ben Simmons not showing up at all. That's that's a lack of heart. That's he doesn't have that that will to win that drive to win. Now, my question is, though, if he's given up on not only college and on, you know, on the college stage and the national stage. 
how the hell did he go first overall? Well, he only played one season at LSU, and that's when he he opted to go into the draft. Um, so he played the 2015-2016 season, and right away after one season, when they were going to build the program around him, he opted to be drafted into the uh, NBA draft. So, yeah, <laughs> maybe they should have taken a closer I, I look. Maybe they should have taken a closer look at him. Well, at that point, you got to think it's probably just an anomaly. It's, you know, he wanted to make money. He wanted to to try himself against the pros. I mean, it, it, to some degree, it's no different than LeBron James opting to not go to college at all and going right to the draft. Um, that's a, that's a, you know, guys leaving after a freshman year or a sophomore year is a common occurrence. Um, but then yeah, but you look at, you look at how he was in Philly and then you, you look at what he did to his home freaking country in the Olympics by not by committing and then backing out. There's a pattern here now. And is he someone a team is going to, is he someone his teammates are going to feel it's worth investing in as a teammate? Are you going to feel comfortable passing to that guy when he does finally show up? Are you going to feel comfortable having him take a shot when he finally does show up? His, his behavior is, is selfish because he, he only puts himself first. And the problem with a team sport is it's not about you. You know, we can, we can talk all we want and we, and I've said it a lot of times that basketball's kind of moved from a team sport to a personality driven sport. But you don't win championships as one person. No. And the thing is, like you said, when he does, if he does show up to be that team player, eventually, whenever that is, can he be trusted? I mean, games on the line. Can you trust putting him out there? Can you trust, like you said, taking a pass? Do you trust him? You know, he could say, yeah, I'm here, but do you believe him? That's the whole thing. And the fact is, and it's been said a few times, even if he had played 15 minutes each game, even if he had played 15 minutes, those 15 minutes could have been decision makers and changed the shape of the game for the Nets' favor. Oh, if he put his heart into it, I mean. Well, that's the thing. I I don't. And I'm not saying this as like a bitter 76ers fan. I don't I don't watch enough basketball to consider myself a bitter 76ers fan i'm saying this as someone who's a a lifelong sports fan you can tell when someone just they don't have that that will to push themselves to succeed did he play in the playoffs i don't think he played in the playoffs this year he didn't play at all this year that's what i thought he pretty he he wanted that trade to brooklyn and harden wanted the trade to, to philly that's why they made it happen and for all his wanting to leave Philly and for all his wanting to go to Brooklyn, he never showed up for Brooklyn either. Yeah, because I thought he didn't play for it because from what I was reading, his game four was supposed to be his debut. Supposed to be. He was supposed to have a few debuts because he was supposed to debut against the Sixers. Uh, I... If he has mental health problems, that's one thing. I don't. If his mental health problems are that bad, he should be 
he should be doing more than sitting on the sidelines at a basketball game. He should be getting as much professional help as possible to figure out what his issue is. I don't think that's what it is. Either he's scared he can't compete at that level. Like he got exposed and now he don't know what to do kind of situation. And he's in over his head or he just doesn't care. And I hate to say it. I think he just doesn't care. I mean, he's still young, 25, making millions. No, he's not making anything until he plays. That's why he filed a grievance for that money. Well, either way, I mean, he still has the shot to be making money. He has the shot to do it. He does. You know, so. Yeah. And the sad part is. From from what people say, he has the talent. Have we seen it? Not really. Uh, he's showcased that when he, I mean, he did play for the Sixers. He was, uh, let's look at his accomplishments real quick. He was rookie of the year in 2018. He was a steals leader in 2020. You know, you don't, he was a two, three-time all-star, two-time defensive all-team. Um, you don't get those accolades by being a schlub on the court. No, but when, when you're not reliable to your own team, how much can your team actually trust you? And that's, like just that's the concern now is are his teammates going to want to play with him next year? Are they going to feel comfortable playing with him? Are they going to be able to trust him? And that's of his own doing. You know, because you know yourself, if you don't have a teammate that's pulling his weight, you know, that's basically you just shot yourself in the foot. Right. But who knows? Well, we'll say we're going to have to see what happens next year with Mr. Simmons. Because right now his team is, well, about ready to go play some golf. So on that note, that'd be the end of the second. We'll be right back. For listeners of the Nonlinear Sports Podcast, our friends at Baseball Together want you to check out their shop at 9 plusus.com that's n-i-n-e-p-l-u-s-u-s dot com and if you check out their shop use the code naspod n-a-s-p-o-d for 15 percent off your first order check out their various designs on t-shirts caps hoodies and so much more if you're watching us on youtube i'm wearing the classic logo hat for nine plus us david is wearing the very very popular pirate baseball hat Go check it out. Find something that you like. They have different designs for each team, be it the Foul Pole series, be it the United We Fan series, be it the Baseball Together series, the City series. Check them out. Again, that's the code NASPOD, N-A-S-P-O-D, at checkout at 9plusus.com for 15% off your order. Do you have a YouTube channel? Check out all things YouTube. That's hosted by me, Matt Haas. I'll show you how to make searchable videos people actually watch. That's the key. Hey, look, we live in an amazing time. If you have something to say, you could reach a worldwide audience. A worldwide audience, and all you need is consumer-level gear and good on-camera presence. You don't need anyone's permission. 
The strategies and techniques you'll learn don't cost extra money and they don't even take extra time. You just have to do things right. I'll show you how. Plus, all my stuff is free. The best place to start is to point your browser to allthingsyoutube.com. Greetings, wrestling fans. My name is Peter DeLong. And if you're looking for quick, easily digestible nuggets of pro wrestling goodness in an episodic format, look no further than Wrestling Shorts with Peter DeLong on YouTube. Join me as I highlight different wrestlers or promotions worthy of your attention. Each episode features wrestlers, teams, and stables that deserve the spotlight, upcoming events in your local independent wrestling scene, or anything else interesting in the world of independent wrestling. Listen in as I run down the must-know info to get you familiar with our subject du jour. And then sit back and enjoy a related match featuring delectable custom commentary by yours truly, including some exclusive footage you won't be able to find anywhere else. Get your wrestling fix in bite-sized episodes with Wrestling Shorts with Peter DeLong. If you have personal footage, an upcoming event, or a product in general that could benefit from being featured on Wrestling Shorts with Peter DeLong, feel free to shoot me a message at PeterDeLongTalks at gmail.com, Peter DeLong on Facebook, or Twitter at DE underscore Talks. All right, welcome back to the third period. Now, this third period, even though the first period we talked about, or I'm sorry, second period we talked about the NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs starts next week. Uh, tomorrow is the last day, which would be Saturday, April 30th, for the last day of the NHL, which is between, which will be between, I think it's the Kraken. Yeah, give me a second here. I'm having technical You're difficulties. Good. No, I'm not. <laughs> while, while you do that, I'll vamp a little bit. I think uh, the Kraken's ownership missed the boat and not followed suit with uh, the Sounders and the Seahawks and having a similar color scheme. You know me, I'm a big fan on cities having teams who share the same uniform color scheme. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you are. You, no, yeah, I mean, you would think they would. But I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things to where that you would think they would just because of trying to, like you said, keep keeping track with it. But no, I'm sorry. May 1st is the end of the NHL season with the Kraken and the Jets, which neither team are in the playoffs. Okay. So that game really doesn't make a difference for anything. But the reason for this time about we're talking about the NHL playoffs is come NHL playoffs, come fun overtime games. And I know me and you've watched our share of long overtime games. Yeah. As it being a well understatement on that one. I think we should start talking about the, we should start off with the one we were talking about off the air. Since that's the one fresh on our minds right now. Or epic. The that Easter started epic. on. <laughs> so the yeah, Easter epic game. took place on April 18th, 1987. It aired on ESPN. Um, and it's called the Easter epic because it began on the night before Easter and it ended on Easter morning. <laughs> yeah, that game and the fact that it was a game seven made it even better 
just because game seven alone is are always fun to watch, but having it go four overtimes. <laughs> so some, some really cool factoids about that game. So it was the first in Stanley Cup history that the road team won game seven beyond the first overtime period. And it was the only playoff game that season to go beyond one overtime period. Yeah, it, it, it is rare for a game to go past the first overtime because some games. What what I find interesting is with a lot of overtime games, as soon as it's overtime, they do the full intermission. But yet overtime could last one minute. Right. It could last 30 seconds. Or in this case, it could last 68 minutes and 47 seconds of overtime. <laughs> it was a, it was a six hour and eighteen minute game um, after the first face off, and it ended at it ended at one fifty eight a.m. <laughs> um, I mean, one, yeah. how, how cool! I mean, and you know this as a Flyers fan because we're going to talk about the, the really famous Flyers game uh, shortly too. But how cool would it have been to be in that audience, to be in the stands for that game? Oh, oh it, that's like putting in a day of work. Pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I, it would hard to put in the words of that feeling being there watching what you're watching. I mean, how many I mean, how many games have we've gone to during the regular season and it went to overtime and they won in overtime? I mean, you know, we the, this past season with John went to overtime right. and they won overtime. Just that feeling alone being there to watch that win. But imagine being playoffs, game seven, going this long in of overtimes. I could only imagine the fans just I'd be on edge because you're going this far in and the tension, the anticipation right. of something happening. Because when it gets that far into overtime, in my opinion, you never expect a pretty goal. Right. You never expect a, a clean goal. You always expect the garbage goals. You always expect the deflections uh, that, you know, from far out, like sort of what happened with this Easter epic with, uh, with, with LaFontaine winning it on a deflection. You know, it, uh, he shot it and it bounced off of an, uh, an Islander. I'm sorry, but bounced off the Capitol and went in. And the goalie never saw it. But, well, you got to think everyone's as punchy as Bill Clement and Doc Emmerich were at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah, they so were I, exhausted. I'm, I'm referencing a clip on YouTube. I, I think, what is it called? Mike, uh, Bill Clement and Mike Emmerich go nuts or something like that. Something along those lines, because you see Bill Clement with, uh, well, like like we said off air, the rainbow, the, the the rainbow style tie around his head, yeah, the and, ties around his head like a headband. He doesn't his sports jackets off, his 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 button down shirts off. He's down to his t shirt. Um, Doc Emmerich is still very professional. He just has the tie undone, undone. and the collar unbuttoned. <laughs> but they're so punchy; it's hilarious. Freaking Bills impersonating um, John Wayne. Yeah, the clip is called Mike Emmerich and Bill Clement Get Nutty, 1987. 
well worth going out of your way to watch because it's it's very funny and it it's kind of it's interesting to take a look at how different ESPN was in the 80s compared to now it, it was not slick and well produced <laughs> oh yeah i mean it's definitely definitely interesting to how on on how it has changed from from then to now it's ugh. But no, listening to them and watching them are definitely, uh, definitely interesting going at it with each other. So let, let's get on to, I know, a personal favorite of yours. Um, let's move on to that Flyers-Penguins game. <laughs> it's a marathon. Uh, God, I, I could have swore you had it on tape. I actually do. I, I have knew it you DVD. did. I, knew I have it on DVD. It. No, I um, thought you recorded it. No, no, I could have sworn you didn't. recorded it. No, that I didn't. That I did not. But I do have it on DVD. I bought a long, 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 long time ago. It's the 40th uh, anniversary collector's edition of the Flyers box set. I bought that. I bought this years ago. And in this set is that game, May 4th, 2000 where the game went to five overtimes and that game became the third longest in NHL history. And the most recent, and it's out of those three, it's the most recent one. Yeah. Because the two above it is 1933 and the number one is 1936. Now, before we get real in depth into this game, let me ask you this question because the fourth longest is from 2020. It's the blue jackets and the lightning. Yep. Do you think a game could in the modern in the modern era a game could break one or two? Well, in the modern, I mean, well, we saw in twenty twenty where it went ninety minutes, so it could potentially do it. I mean, will it happen? Probably not, but it could have the potential to do it because if you have a game that went that long. I, I would say yes. Okay. I would say yes, it could. Will it? Doubtful. Because the game's a lot faster now. It's a completely different game now. Absolutely. So, Even just since 2000. Absolutely. Because what when, when that game happens, I, I remember watching it, of course, and... Yarmir Yager was just sitting on the bench. Yarmir Yager playing for the Penguins at that time. Who would have thunk it? He's you know, still playing. At, well, still playing, but you know, Yarmir. You know, you see that that name. Everybody knows who he is right off the bat. But I remember they were saying he was cutting his glove. I guess to get more, I guess flexibility. And he didn't realize the puck went in, and that was to tie the game. Yeah. But like we were saying earlier about a lot of overtime goals are not pretty. They're ugly goals. This goal that Keith Primo scored in the fifth overtime was a pretty goal. And I can still picture it in my head of that goal. But no, I could definitely see those games going. I feel it could. I feel it could go in the modern era. It could do it. You, but you would have to get teams like, well, 
a game like we saw in 2020 between the Lightning and the Jackets go that distance. So um, there's an oral history on NHL for this game. And there's a pretty comical quote from, from Keith Primo. Um, and the, the title of it is, as the overtimes went on, things went a bit sideways for a few players. And Keith goes, usually on the road, the team orders pizza for the locker room. There's pizza for the guys, power bars. They were really popular at the time. The trunk of those was gone. The pizza was gone. Trainers are going up to the concession stands to see if there's absolutely anything there. The coaches were eating popcorn. <laughs> I remember I, re- I remember uh, listening to that. They said players were getting IVs between intermission, you know, be- be- between periods. They were getting IVs. They were so they were that exhausted from playing, which is highly understandable. I mean, so yeah, they were trying to get pizza. They they were trying to get food in, just for the guys, to, for something. It's playing on an empty stomach. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> but Here, here's a good one from uh, from Boucher. The fourth overtime is when things really started to come unglued a little bit in the locker room. We went through all the pizza that was waiting for us. That was gone. We went through all the power bars and granola bars. That was gone. <laughs> Jonesy came in and he was like, somebody end this thing, please. He was done. He was playing on one leg. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, that's you're playing. You're playing a game and a half extra. Yeah. You're literally playing a game and a half because this, it went five overtimes. It went 90 minutes. I'm sorry. It went 92 minutes of overtime. So you're playing a game and a half in overtime, not just your normal three periods, you know, 60 minute game. So imagine how that, you know, how these players feel. And that the fact that the game between the Columbus Blue Jacks and Tampa Bay Lightning back in 2020 was under two minutes shy of breaking that. Just imagine what these players go through, trying to get the energy, trying to stay hydrated. Yeah. And, and you know, it's weird looking back on this game, how many players who at that time were named players in the NHL were in this game. Brian Boucher, who's now an analyst. Casper John LeClaire. Wrong Tudnut. Yamir. Yamir Yager. Uh, the, and the list goes on for it. Simone Gagne. Oh, Simone Gagne. That's a name you don't hear anymore. But these guys at that time were the elite players in the NHL. It wasn't just they were elite players on the Penguins and the Flyers. They were the cream of the crop in the NHL at that point in time. So this this game, as it ages, carries a lot of history with it based on the players that were in the game, not just the game itself. It was hockey. It wasn't like it was like it is now. I mean, back then it was the, you know, it was the grind of it. It was the physical aspect of the game. And that's that's an interesting thing, because some of the players even say that, what if we hadn't gone through that game? Would we have had legs for the Devils? Because they were so physically spent. Yeah. How do you recover from that? You really don't. 
you really don't. I mean, that's the thing. It's not easy for sure. Well, you were saying about names. Well, let's just go with the Flyers here. You had Mark Recchi. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. You know, you know, basically you had the Legion of Doom at that point. You had the Legion of Doom on there, which is John LeClaire, Eric Lindros, and uh, Mikhail Renberg. But let's not kid ourselves. Lindros was already a shell of himself by that point. Yeah, he was a shell of himself, but still. I mean, you have John Van yeah. And he has overtime experience back in 1996 when he lost in game four to Colorado. And that game went three overtimes and, and they lost that game one nothing. So you have. You know, you, he had that experience with him, but just some of these names. Uh, you know, Rick Tockett. And that's just some of the names. Uh, well, Greg Berube. Mm-hmm. He was a flyer at Capital, and you know he coached the blue. He coaches the Blues. You know, and and, and that's just on the Flyers' side. Um, give me a moment here. Lost my screen. No, you're fine. The, the Penguins had Kovalev. They had Kasparitis. They had Straka. Oh, you're looking at that now? Okay. Yeah, because I'm just trying to bring that up too now. Yeah, I mean they had. They had you know, a good list of players as well. These were two very good teams. And even the Flyers players even stated that they may not have had this, the technical skill that the Penguins had, but they made up for it in attitude and how they played. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it was a good combination of physical play and, and skillful play. And that's what makes, a, to me, as, as a viewer, that makes for a fun game to watch is seeing these differences battle each other out on the, on the ice. Um, I think, and that's something that I struggle with the game now is that it's so it's too many teams are, are evenly matched. Now too many teams are, are too skillful, too technical, too fancy, but we talk about that all the time. There, there isn't, you don't have the enforcers. You don't have the physical play like you used to, but you don't uh, some of the names for that. Uh, Tom Barrasso, Matt Barnaby. There's a fun name. <laughs> Little Barnaby, that instigator. Uh, Alex Kovalov. You know, it's, it's not like the Penguins had, you know, like like we just said, some small names either. Right. You know, so you got you got games like even with Easter, you know, the, the Easter Epic and that alone, you know, then you have, I mean, the longest right now is 116 minutes of overtime. And that was between the, the Detroit Red Wings and the Montreal Maroons of 1936. That's how far back that's going. Well, like that's you closing said, in on almost 100 years ago. You know, with, well, with, let's say with the AHL, the last two longest overtimes belong to uh, the Phantoms. The Lehigh Valley Phantoms and the Charlotte Checkers, 86 minutes, 86 minutes, 48 seconds. And then the the second one, and that was at 2018, was that one. Okay. Then 2008, it was the Philadelphia Phantoms and the Albany River Rats. Oh, back when they played in the old spectrum. And that was 82 minutes, 58 seconds. 
So the AHL has its distance, but not as much as the AHL. I mean, Hershey was involved in the 19, uh, the 19th longest in AHL. Back in 51. Yep. Uh, I think that's the only ones I see of them. There was the Pittsburgh Hornets back in 53. Uh, Wilkes-Barre in 05. The Phantoms again in 04. When they were still the Philadelphia Phantoms. So it's... And with things as though some of these names aren't even around anymore, like the Philadelphia Ramblers. Yeah. And, you know, and that was the Calder Cup finals between the Philadelphia Ramblers and the Cleveland Barons in 39. You got the ECHL, which is the East Coast Hockey League, which we've discussed already on the show. Um, the Royals back in 16. Uh, they lost to the Wheeling Nailers for four, you know, forty-four minutes, three seconds. Wheeling in. Nailers, the Penguins affiliate. Yeah, I mean, and I think right now the Royals are the Flyers affiliates. Yeah, Flyers affiliates. And, and that's interesting because they started out as the Kings affiliate, which made no sense geographically. But well, I kind of understand by the name. No, I understand by the name, but I'm just saying when they when they launched. It didn't make a lot of sense geographically. Geographically, no, it didn't. Um, and then I'm trying to think where I think there was somebody else before they became the Flyers one. I'm trying to think here. And oh, there's a a website where I can find that out. Hold on. Please hold while we try to connect you. You keep talking. I'll I'll, fig- I'll get it pulled up. Capitals. Is that who it was? At 9th, 2012, the Royals became the affiliate of the Washington Capitals. At the end of the first season with the Capitals, the Royal won the Royals won the Kelly Cup championship, which is their uh like the ECHL Cup. championship, yeah. Yeah. By defeating the Stockton Thunders four games to one. Okay. So yeah, I thought there was somebody before the Flyers. So, yeah, so you go the, the Royals, then the Phantoms, then the Flyers. Because I know when they were the Kings affiliate, uh, Jonathan Quick, who is the goaltender now for the Kings, he played for the Royals. And, oh. he, has two, and, and, he, and he has two Stanley Cups. Yeah, some of these overtime games are just, well, NCAA. They have these on here between UMass and Notre Dame. Uh, th- th- let's see here when, when it where it occurred. Hockey East first round, best of three series back in 2015. Longest overtime was 91 minutes. I think as a college player, you're going that far of overtime. It takes a lot of heart. That's something we talked about last period is having the heart and the drive to to play like that and to grind like that, no matter what the sport is. Uh, well, the next, the third one of NCAA was University of Minnesota Duluth versus University of North Dakota, NCAA Midwest Regional on March 27, 2021. That game went 82 minutes of overtime. And that's the most recent one on the, uh, on the list. Yeah. That is the most recent one on the list because 2015 was the longest in NCAA. 
what was funny is none of them occurred during the finals, during the Frozen Four. I just find that part interesting. That so you follow the Frozen Four pretty religiously, so. <laughs> there, uh, college hockey is fun to watch. It's just like watching college football. You want, you know, th- these players are trying to make it big. But no, more hockey overtimes are just so, to, to me, they're so much fun to watch just because you never know the craziest things can happen. Like the one game I was watching, uh, it was the, I think it was the Red Wings and the Ducks. They sh- the, the Wings shot it from the point. They thought it went in. They were leaving the ice. Here it hit the crossbar and the post and came out. And yeah, and they reviewed it, of course, because of what it is. They reviewed that so long just to make sure they got that call right. And I mean, even the goalie, even the goalie knew it didn't go in because I remember him starting to wave his arms like no goal. So. It was definitely interesting. It's just overtime games and to see how far they can go, because I know I, I know every time I watch a playoff game, I'm always hoping for an overtime. And when it does go to overtime, I always question how long it goes. Just because <laughs> so just because it's it's always neat to see. It's like Christmas morning for David, for those of you listening. <laughs> well, I was watching that game with the Flyers and the Penguins. That game ended around 2:30 in the morning. <laughs> And and you had school the next day. <laughs> I don't think I did because I think May fourth was was a weekend. I seem to recall it preempting SmackDown, which would have been on a Thursday at that time. Uh, great! Now we got to check this out. Way to go, Jason! Yep, you're welcome. Oh, not That's really. No, you're not. Ah, uh, here we go. May 4th was a Thursday. Was it? Okay, I guess. So. Okay. I thought it was a weekend. Oh, well, yeah. Either way, at least the Flyers won. <laughs> at least I went to school happy. <laughs> at least I went to school happy. But yeah, watch overtime games for hockey or just any sport at this point because you never know how long they're going to last. Just like you're a big baseball fan, you got extra innings. Who knows? Who knows how long they're going to last? Right. So, on that note, that'd be the end of the third. All right. Uh, so let's get to some plugs here. You can find me every Wednesday. Well, after this, actually, the week we're recording uh, was the final episode of season two of the Punk Popcast. We're going to go on a temporary hiatus here before season three. Uh, when we're when we're back, you'll find us every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm currently working on the Philly Baseball Together podcast under the Baseball Together umbrella. Uh, every month you can join me and my co-host Tori as we discuss the goings on of the Phils. And you can listen to us either celebrate or commiserate the team, <laughs> depending on how they're doing. You can find the Philly Baseball Together podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, shout out to Jonathan, uh, the Bobble Bro. Uh, 
our our third our third member of the team here on the district baseball together podcast where every month he talks about the Nats and their farm system. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, finally, the a show hosted by our friend, Matt and his co-host, Chris. Uh, it's a really fun wrestling podcast. If you're into fantasy booking, you're into drafting rosters. Uh, I was on it. It's a lot of fun to listen to a lot of fun to partake in. You can find the a show on CKCC radio and wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then finally, in the description of every episode, you can find our link tree. Our link tree will take you to our social media profiles on Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. It'll take you to our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode when, it, when it's uploaded. Uh, it'll take you to our store, which is at creator-spring. Create wait, naspod-creator.spring. Yep, dot com. There we go. Um, and that'll take you to our website where we got you hooked up with T-shirts, long sleeve shirts and hoodies. It's still kind of cool out. If you need a hoodie, get a NASPOD hoodie. Um, Kevin Dignam, the gentleman who won a free T-shirt from us, from our store, wore his NASPOD shirt from his flight from Cape Cod to Las Vegas last weekend for uh, the National Bowling Championships. He's a, a really good bowler. So he he wore that to Vegas for us. Um, other than that, uh, thank you for joining us for episode 44 of the Not Other Sports Podcast. You can uh, find us for streaming and download at uh, anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and wherever you get your podcast. Please do not forget to subscribe, rate, and review. If you want to watch us, I already mentioned it. Check us out on YouTube. Uh, David does the editing on those videos. He works very hard on them uh, and they always look absolutely stellar. Uh, check us out. If you want to actually see our reactions to each other, as we're talking, like when we were talking about lumpy, the coal and the canary for uh, the, the Pottsville uh, coal crackers last week. <laughs> um, uh, with that, I think we're done this week. I'm Jason. I'm David. And we'll talk with you next time. Have a good one. <laughs> You have been listening to the Not Another Sports Podcast. Thank you for your listenership.